Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is iFanboy Special Edition Green Lantern, Beware My Power. Fanboy Special Edition, Green Lantern, Beware My Power. The Animation Brain Trust is back. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Paul Montgomery. Hello. And Ryan Haupt. I'm having a Sinestro kind of day in a John Stewart world. <laughs> yeah. So we're here to talk about the latest DC Universe animated original film. There'll be spoilers, so if you haven't watched the film, don't want to be spoiled. Pause the show. Paul, this Connor. is what? This is the 47th animated film or maybe 52nd maybe 51st 40 it's, it's the 47th length. full length film mm. it's almost feature length at this point they're basically feature length films this is a uh, yeah, like 90 minutes yeah yeah 87 minutes but it's the 51st release if you count the three showcase releases so yeah i don't know it's part of the tomorrow verse yeah we're gonna get to that in a discussion but yes it's in that animated style of tomorrow versus the heavy black outlines and that, that started with superman man of tomorrow oh god it's a bad name so we'll, we'll get to that but yes it's technically it's part of tomorrow verse, directed by jeff wymaster and writers ernie altbacher and john semper and features a whole bunch of people uh as we follow the adventures of green lantern john stewart as he f- first gets the ring this is a new version of john stewart Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not the one from the Justice League Unlimited or any right. of those. It's This is a new continuity. John Stewart, played by Aldous Hodge, who will be the live-action Hawkman. So this is rated PG for some strong violence, bloody images, and partial nudity. That's great. PG? Oh, yeah. People PG-13. are getting stabbed PG-13. through the hand. Okay, PG. Yeah, yeah. There's people getting stabbed through the hand. And there's some butts. The nudity would, there is some butts. Could, would be butts. Well, there's really just one butt. Right. That's that's Hal Jordan butt. Hal Jordan butt. Spoiler. Paul would say the butt. The biggest butt the, of the unit. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's dive in. First of all, I didn't recognize the names of the writers or the director. I, I just I tend to recognize the ones they use a lot. So I, didn't, I don't know Ernie if they use these people before. sounds familiar? I'm not sure. I, I really liked this a lot. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. I didn't think you would. This did not review well, I should say. 
Interesting. Uh, I thought this was one of the better ones. I thought this was really exciting and fun. And if I put my fan hat back on, there was some, some of it I didn't like at the end, which I'm sure we'll get to. But on, overall, on a film point of view or a reviewer point of view, mm-hmm. I thought it was terrific. I thought the, I thought it was one of my favorite ones in a while, actually. I'm with you. I thought this made some bold choices. We'll talk about the ending, like you said. <laughs> yeah. Took me by surprise. Yeah. But then when you sort of go back and look at it, you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I thought it was really compelling. I thought the actors did a great job. It felt really cohesive. It felt like a film. Yes. Mm, yeah, good you know, Good point. It felt like a, a premium product. And uh, it had some really nice lighting. I think I have been sort of the, the cheerleader for this Tomorrowverse style. I like it. Being a, you guys, I thought. No, maybe, no, I, I like it a lot. Do you? Okay. I do. Yeah. I do. Okay. This was the best execution of it. I would agree with that, too. The action scenes, especially the opening. It opens with Jon Stewart and a bunch of hand-to-hand fight scenes. Hobo fighter. Because he is home from the war with his Medal of Honor, and he's having a hard time, and he's getting into a lot of fights. I thought the fight scenes are really well choreographed and yes. looked really, really good in the format. I thought the two random guys he met in Alley were like really good at fighting. Relative, <laughs> like he's he's a like decorated Marine, like and he's you know it's hard to fight two opponents, but they also like they're really good fighters. You never know who you're going to find in an Alley. That's why you train, Ryan. What's your overall thought on the film? I loved it. This was fantastic. I agree that it was one of the best ones in a long time. I think this might be the best one since um, Gods of Monsters. That's going back a ways. Whoa, that's that's seven years. When I think back in my mind's eye, in my in my in my Despero third forehead eye, hmm. the one that stands out to me as like the one I would tell people to, who hadn't experienced any of the DC animated films of late to go watch. That's like the one I would probably point to because I thought it was really interesting and I like the themes and this is like this might be my new go to. I think I would I would go so far as to say this is probably one of my favorite animated movies of like all 47 or 51 and this might be one of the better green lantern stories i can remember absorbing you know either in comics or or film or movies Mm -hmm. television like this is a really good green lantern story it does a lot of cool stuff with the green lantern mythology it you know it blows up a lot of it but like i think what it does is really interesting and really the only question i have is I can't... Which direction is Despero's head fin supposed to go? Is it front to back or is it side to side? Because I feel like I see it both ways and I'm not sure which one it's supposed to be. I think it's a feat that uh, they made him look not ridiculous. I like Despero. I think the original fin is side to side and like the, the newer, more cooler one is like a fin. You know what I mean? Like a shark fin. Yeah. yeah. I like the side to side. I think it's wacky. It's fun. All right. Sorry, that was a tangent. I, I no, will, no, that's I'll fine. pull back. I think the designs in this are really great. Like all the all the character designs look cool. Yeah, it, it feels like they've it's sort of like like a like a new pair of shoes. I feel like they've worked in this new style and found their groove with it. And like the the line weight feels good. The, it feels good in motion. They found the right lighting for it. A lot of this movie is like is it it's it's a bit dark, but then they do some cool stuff with like the Green Lantern effects, like all the powers. And I stuff. really liked the energy effects. I liked both the Green Lantern effects. I liked the Zeta effects. I liked the Yellow Lantern effects, and I thought in general they finally reached a point where the CGI elements in these films are not jarringly bad. Yeah, yeah, they blend a bit more. Yeah, you still notice the ones the elements that are CGI versus not CGI. It's usually the vehicles, I feel like. But yep. 
it's reached a point where like the animated characters interact with the CGI elements well enough at this point that it, it's seamless enough to not take me out of the film like it used to. Yeah. I mean, you look you look back at that first in the Justice League cartoon when they had that the Thanagar War invasion. Like, there's some <laughs> really clunky yeah. looking CGI, and it's 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 come a long way, and I I think that deserves to I think some it credit. helps when they just when they're doing otherworldly things like spaceships it, it still can look rough when they do that but whenever they try to use the CG on like just like a car and like if they have like a regular car chase it looks really ridiculous it looks like you're looking at like a PlayStation 2 game or something just jammed over top of you know this 2d animation that's really stylized and heightened and yeah nothing really took me out of it here uh, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, all the technology, all of the different, you know, because we see, you know, RAN stuff. We see, uh, I thought that, um, is it the, the RAN uh, ship with the, with the guy who does the, sort of like he sacrifices his, himself in his ship? <laughs> that was a cool yeah. sequence. Yeah. I thought that just, it had a really neat look to it. Just like very distinctive. I mean, it felt like an actual, like, big budget sci-fi space battle. Yeah. Like Paul said earlier, it felt like a film. You yeah, know, this really did feel yep. have it yep. had the, yep. the the weighty stakes. I actually thought I had this thought a couple of days ago, unrelated to this movie. But man, I could I could go for a weighty steak. The the difference between like a film and a TV show is often often very nebulous, but you kind of know when you see it. And sometimes these films can feel a little light. These animated films, but this one felt like a film, felt like a feature. I remember reading something that was trying to actually qualify the difference between like filmmaking and television making. And they basically said like a TV show, you should be able to watch with your eyes closed and still know what's happening because it's dialogue driven, Mm -hmm. but a film should be driven by visuals and like big stunning set pieces. And I think I'm not claiming that that's like a perfect distinction between the two, but I think this definitely leaned harder on the latter of like having big, interesting visuals happening on screen. In addition to what I felt was a compelling plot and good characters. And it felt like it had original like stuff. Like, like, yeah, sometimes with a lot of these movies, it feels like, Oh, they recycled that design from this thing. Mm -hmm. This just feels like everything is bespoke and new. Uh, So that was cool. That's interesting because I thought it had a lot, a lot of nods to previous things. So this is the origin story of John Stewart. We get elements of the classic Green Arrow, Green Lantern team up. We get a nod to the Justice League's romance between John Stewart and Hawk Girl. We have oh, yeah, yeah. allusions to Zero Hour. I think they did a really good job of taking bits and pieces of the history of the DC Universe and sprinkling them into this new story, which is basically John Stewart having a tough time as a veteran. A ship with Ganthet crashes. Ganthet dies and hands him the ring. It's an echo of the Hal Jordan origin. Well, no, no, it's really more of an echo of the Kyle Rayner origin. Well, it's all the same. An alien crashes. Hal Jordan didn't get his ring from Ganthet. He got his ring from. I'm just saying, an alien crashes and hands him a ring is all the same. I'm saying Ganthet gave Kyle Rayner his ring, whereas as before he died, Kyle doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, he he asks the ring for help. Doesn't know what's going on. The ring takes him to the Justice League Watchtower, where he encounters John Jones and Vixen and Green Arrow. And they, of course, immediately attack him. That was my least favorite scene of the film. <laughs> you gotta do it. I no, I know, I know, but it was still, I, I didn't care. For, I wasn't, yeah. But once we all get that straightened out, they realize he's a Green Lantern. Straightened out? He didn't set off any alarms, and they didn't think to, like, ask why before just straight up attacking him? They were uh, in a bad mood already, because nobody was around. And that's when we find out that there's been this giant space battle happening. Oa has been attacked, and the Guardians are all dead, and the Core is all dead, and Hal Jordan was killed trying to stop the attack. And it's all now up to Jon Stewart, who goes off with Green Arrow, 
of all the people on, who were there, the guy with the arrows goes off for the, to the space battle, not John Jones. And they go off to try to figure this out. Because the, the way they explain it is John Jones has like the, like the admin password for the watchtower. <laughs> yeah. Like that's basically, he can't leave. I mean, yeah, that's not like, he's not he wrong. He knows where the paperwork for, yeah. is. He knows where everything is in the office. If you lose that guy, they'll never find anything. Paul, do you trust every single person you work with with the passwords that could ruin everything if Absolutely used improperly? Absolutely not, because I work with my dad, and it's just me and my dad at our garage. Yeah, so, so like, <laughs> Absolutely you know, not. he's not wrong. I know. So then uh, in the course of this adventure, they form a little ragtag group that features Shiara, the, who's not Hawkgirl, but Shiara is Shiara, a really just rough-looking Adam Strange. I have a lot to say about Hobo Adam Strange and the trend, because that's been a trend, right? Like, that, he's... Yeah. That's a new development. Is like, and we, we, we could, we could subtitle this movie "The Beards of DC" because they're all sort of everyone in this movie. Is I did not like Hal Jordan's beard either. And it's so like then they, they form this ragtag group. The the primary fight is between the, the Ranians and the Fengarians, which is also another sort of deep DC cut. And we find out that this whole war has been orchestrated by first Sinestro, and then it's revealed who's really behind it all. And we'll get to that in a moment. Thanagar being teleported into Rand's orbit is from Planet Heist, which is the Andy Diggle Pascal Ferry. Mm-hmm. book from the mid 2000s which for me was like my first sort of introduction to adam strange as a character and i thought was fantastic mm-hmm. so i was kind of excited to see elements of that incorporated yeah i mean they, they, they took a lot of elements and they did a really good job of making them feel organic to the story i, I mean let's see what ernie altback and john semper have written before because i was really impressed with the script yeah, it, 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 it uses a, i mean we've seen ran thanagar like a couple of times throughout the animated stuff like you know Justice League, Un- is it Unlimited or Justice League? Either way. I mean, the, um, the same continuity. Seen, yeah, we've seen, yeah, we've seen that stuff. And, you know, it's been rehashed in the comics over and over again. But I thought this was a, a really cohesive take on all that stuff that fit in with everything that the Green Lanterns were doing and the stuff on Oa and what they've already established for this Tomorrowverse. It's a good continuity. I like that it has, like, distinct cultures. I mean, as, as cool as it is to see, like, you know, Kirby stuff everywhere. It's kind of neat that Ran and Thanagar do feel like two very distinct yeah. cultures. They made some choices that I hadn't seen before. Like I feel like the Thanagarians are pretty set. Like they're these hawk people and like their tech and their style, it's all very avian and bird like and 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 I feel like the area where you really get to play is Ran. And so the Ran has like this cool offset ring that might be like artificial and their military has these face tattoos that seem to be like the sort of symbolizers of rank that we have with the epaulets and yeah. in, in Earth military. So like I thought they made some really cool choices with the style of the design. Warhammer forty K going on that I liked. Oh, are you a Warhammer forty K guy, Paul? I'm a fair weather casual it seems daunting yeah is what what i'll say okay okay it's like the skirt the edges so ernie altbacker is a veteran of these films yeah he wrote injustice he wrote hush he wrote the defendant stranger short he wrote constantine the one we just reviewed okay he's written a lot of these things written a lot of animated stuff john semper this is his first foray into these films he's written an episode just like action before and he wrote some static shock but he goes all the way back to Scooby-Doo in 1983. Wow. So he is a veteran, a veteran. He's written for Super Friends, Some Snorks, Smurfs, The Jetsons, more like, more DuckTales. Like John Semper, where are you? Like he's we Spider-Man the animated series. Like he, he's basically done it all. 
This guy has written a lot of words for John Welker, is what this, I'm hearing. I actually Frank am Welker, not surprised to, to learn that this had some Spider-Man the Animated Series DNA. I kind of felt that watching it. I mean, Spider-Man the Animated Series was formative for me, and so I watched the hell out of that show. Spider-Man the Animated Series was more important to me than the X-Men Animated Series that I think folks slightly older than me would mm. have fonder feelings towards. But I can I can kind of see that DNA here. I really like John Stewart in this. I thought his characterization was terrific. I like that he was reluctant, but he also we learned that early on he had a code of helping people. So he didn't want to be Green Lantern, but who else was there going to be? I liked the little training sessions he would do on the ship while he was I, going places. Like that was. A I wanted to talk thing. about those because I thought we've seen. Green Lantern training sessions where it's Kilowog being like, come on, you poosers. Yep. Right. But we've never seen, at least in my memory, Green Lantern training sequences where it's the ring has built in modules. Mm-hmm. And now that I work in like, <laughs> now that I work in sort of STEM education, like I, that was very interesting to me because I was like, oh, I wish I had a tool like that where I could <laughs> hand a kid a ring and the, and the kid would do like a science never lesson. Never hand a kid a power ring. I mean, it's, if it, as long as it's got the no-kill programming in it, right? And it's cool to it's have fine. a character who he wants to go on this trip with Green Arrow so he can give the ring back because he doesn't believe that he should have it. He doesn't right. want to have it. And it's Hal Jordan's ring. He literally can't remove it from his hand. Mm-hmm. So he wants to take it off. So we have the reluctant hero, super classic idea. But I like the fact that he's stuck with this, so he's going to learn about it. Yeah. He's not. Th- there's a lot of times where characters that they point to, like Harry Potter, is the classic one. Was like, why don't they just read the books? Like, read the books that are in the library, learn about all this history and stuff, and you won't be surprised. Because Harry Potter's a jock. Harry, well, Harry, no, Harry Potter's a kid, whereas this guy is a soldier. He's a soldier who understands the value of knowing your weapon and your tool. Right, so it's, it's, so it's cool to have a, you know a competent, inquisitive character in the in the lead role and not someone who's just like a jerk and who's like i don't want to deal with this it also removes that whole thing of like in the final moments where he's shown to be very competent with this tool yeah he's earned it a little bit more he gets better as it goes along he does get better it goes along yeah but i've I've noticed this trend well maybe not trend but i've noticed a thing in like racing movies where it's like it doesn't you know ford versus ferrari it doesn't matter which driver is driving the ford or the ferrari like the car can pass the other car not because of anything other than like well that guy's the best mm-hmm. and it's like well why why is he the best i don't know he's just the best he wants it harder so when he pushes the pedal down the car goes faster he and, and that to me is like a little silly and doesn't have a ton of narrative heft and so like to have a character actually going through the training in a way that's you know, it's, it's instead of playing chess with Chewbacca on the Millennium Falcon, like that's the sequence that he's doing these training modules. But it makes sense; it works. It, it's a, it. So put that quote on the back of your movie. Better than Ford versus Ferrari, Ryan Haupt, I fanboy. I really like Ford versus Ferrari. I don't I know do that too. this was better than it. I mean, but Ford versus Ferrari is like the ultimate dad movie. And then I watched it, movie. and I'm like, oh crap, I'm a dad. I'm a, I am a, a dad, dad now, movie, and I'm. But I, I like the fact that. John is the one who like introduces everyone else to Sinestro because he's read about him. Like, yeah. Or he's, he's watched he saw him the, in the, yeah. the thing. Yeah. So like, he's the one who it's not like he, he's not the one who gets things explained to him throughout. So that, that's, that's a, that's a really good point. That's a really good smart. point. I liked the growing relationship between John and Ollie. I yep. thought they had a nice arc. I really liked Jimmy Simpson's Ollie 
I like Jamie Simpson's all. Yeah. yeah. First, I was like, this is an odd choice. And then I thought, no, this is really working. And by the end of it, I, was re- I really liked it. Mm. I thought they had a great chemistry together. And I like that they established his friendship with Hal even before we meet Hal. Yeah. Like the fact that, you know, Ollie's like, Ollie feels like it's, it's his obligation. I got to go find my buddy. That's why he goes too. It's like his, yeah. it's his best friend who's died. Right. So he's got to go, go. So then when things go down later on, you know, it actually feels effective. Like they actually laid some. some I thought they all, all the characters had, had, you know, a nice arc. You understood them, you understood their motivations. I thought Hawkgirl was terrific. Adam Strange was great. I thought you understood them all, why they were doing what they were doing. Because they were all at cross purposes at some point or another. Except for Vixen. <laughs> she got the real short shrift. I think she was in there as another as another nod to the Justice League cartoon because after he dates Hawkgirl, he dates Vixen. True, but I just I was very frustrated by that scene. I'm just like, you charge this guy as a tiger and then you decide, oh, that didn't work. Let's try Rhino. And I'm like, why don't you try talking? Because this is an action movie. No, but you're in a spaceship. Don't be a rhino. Don't like we don't send rhinos to space for a reason. They don't have the right thumbs to manipulate the controls. It's a bad plan. That'd be a cool suit. So as as we get deeper and deeper into this conspiracy to destroy Ren and Thanagar. Well, also like the very tenuous peace between them. Yeah. They're captured by Sinestro and Despero and a bunch of his other yellow lanterns, and they are put in prison and they they find that they're mysterious shadowy cellmate is none other than Hal Jordan himself with a beard because he wasn't in fact killed he was captured by Sinestro who found him unconscious after the explosion so then they team up with Hal Jordan who has got a much rougher edge to him he has no problem killing Sinestro's goons which shocks Ollie and then we find out that in fact Sinestro is not the boss but Hal Jordan is the boss Hal who has been infected with the parallax is in fact the big bad and he has all the rings which is another nod to the DC Comics yep your favorite fucking fuck fuck but i and so at first i was like oh no paul's so happy right now but then (laughs) then i then i thought well this is wait you're you were sad that paul was happy well i oh no and then colon paul is so happy right now and then i thought well this is actually a really nice twist i like it as a reviewer and i'm a huge hal jordan fan so I i was annoyed but then i thought for sure they would be saving hal no, or redeeming no, Hal. Hal's no. not doing this. It's Parallax that's doing this. He murked this. that dude. He's got to go. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so instead of freeing Hal from Parallax because he has not done any of these bad things, Green Arrow has to shoot him with an arrow to stop him from killing John, which is a nod to a Zero Hour. I believe it was Zero Hour, that revenge from the 90s, where Ollie had to kill Hal with an arrow. So that was annoying. But as a story <laughs> choice, it worked. I just was surprised that they didn't even try to attempt to save him. When they knew it wasn't really him. This is not the most thoughtful Justice League we've encountered. <laughs> they they play kind of fast and loose with how they choose to solve problems. I was taken aback by it's it's sort of it starts going down when John is facing Sinestro and then he summons his ring, which Sinestro has thrown behind him down the hallway right. and is about to uh, stab him with a uh, yellow energy sword mm. and then John summons the ring to his finger and it goes through Sinestro we don't see it go through we just right. see it like a bullet we just see the you know the blood from his lips and you know it's coming great moment and if you're a big Star Wars fan I felt some parallels with him saying like and my master will kill all of you and you're like oh Sin- who's Sinestro's master like what is he talking about Desperate. and and then yeah, and then you, then later on you get this moment where 
everything's getting kind of tidied up and we're we've, we're putting the doomsday weapon the zeta beam into this box into this lock box and it's safe in there <laughs> and the only other place where that information is stored is inside my head i'm like oh your brain pan is gonna mm-hmm. have a hole in it soon and sure enough obi-wan mercs him and which that was like to me that has echoes of like how hardcore some characters get in the expanse sure well, okay let me parallel this with another. Well, I had a couple of problems with the movie. I, I really liked this movie, and it was heading towards a five star. Okay. Towards Whoa. the end. And it's not going to be a five, but it's, it was heading that way. Ooh. I fought for a tomorrow. Was it tomorrow verse? Is that what we're calling mm-hmm. it? Tomorrow. For a tomorrow verse film, they took way too many pieces off the board in this movie. Oh, uh, okay. You know, so I thought, okay, if this was a standalone film, then it's, then it's probably five stars. But like. Now you're talking about a universe that doesn't have Sinestro in it, that doesn't have Hal Jordan in it, that doesn't have Adam Strange in it, because he dies, sacrifices himself to stop the Zeta Beam. I don't think he does. I think he just returns to his hobo, well, riding the Zeta Beam he's, ways. He's off somewhere with his, in, a, in hobo, hobo space. And then, you know, most of the Green Lanterns that you know are, are gone, and so are the Guardians. Like, it just, it just took so many of the a classic better, DC pieces off the board. DC Universe is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Cleaning off the, yeah. I don't like the trend. It's not a trend. It's because it's always been there. I don't. I don't like the impulse to kill the villain. It oh, just sure. seems short-sighted yeah. because then you know. And your favorite character is in the film. In general, like Batman. your favorite comp. Yeah, and his main antagonist is the Joker. Yeah, the guy he would have been much better off just killing <laughs> earlier. <laughs> well, sure, you can say that about every villain, but these are continuing stories. So I. I don't like the idea of another story that, you know, in this world where now we don't have Sinestro and another Green Lantern story. Or no, no, that's, I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm in I'm a, uh, in a, you know, Legion of Doom story or some others, you know, it just sucks to take the characters off the board. And I don't, I thought it was sort of, sort of short sighted. I don't know. I, I, I really like that. Plus, he didn't need movies, to die. I like that's that these movies have stakes. Yeah. And I like that the characters are in real jeopardy, and I don't know who could be taken off the table. Well, Ryan, that's a great argument for making these films not all connected. And we used to, we talked about that before. You know, before Flashpoint, they weren't all connected. So you could do whatever you wanted, and that'd be fine. Like I said, if this was a standalone film, it's a five-star movie. But for all intents and purposes, it was, because there's nothing in this movie that was obvious connection to the Man of Tomorrow-verse. Like, it... The Tomorrowverse, like there's, there's no appearance by Superman. You can treat this like a standalone movie if this is the only one you watched. Sure, you wouldn't well, know that it was part of a larger continuity. I just think it was a mistake to connect them. They don't need to be connected, and and so therefore you, it's hard for me not to look at them as connected because they are. So like now I know that Sinestro can't be in any other films, you know, or Hal Jordan or whatever. But that's fine. Whatever, it doesn't matter. No, I I, I see both sides of it. I, yeah, I, I definitely have felt that way about the MCU films. That's where it's been a huge frustration that they would kill off the villain every single time. And like, come on, I would I would like to you know not this version of Malekith, but I would like Malekith to be a continuing character, you know, in that world or Killmonger, you know, right. There's a lot of characters that you could get more out of, and they have done interesting things with characters they've decided to keep. Like, what if they'd killed off Loki right away? Like, that right. would suck. They but got they functionally things. have, like, it's, I mean, at a, at a certain point, it just becomes comics where it's like, unless you see the body, you can do whatever. Well, that's what I was, I, I fast forwarded through the credits thinking that, hoping there'd be some sort of post credit scene where, like, Hal rises again because he's because of Parallax, but there wasn't anything. This was a very interesting... Good. <laughs> physical collection so there was no feature for the next film which is i think the second time it's happened there was just nothing to say what was i mean we know it's coming next but there was nothing to talk about in the film itself That's i feel bad that 
Parallax had to get kidnapped onto Hal Jordan's, <laughs> you know, suicide mission. Like, Parallax needs redemption is what I'm saying. That's that what you're little, saying? That little lizard weasel uh, symbiote thing. You know, I don't know how much of that is, you know, pandemic-related, how they're making these movies. They're not oh, I think the featurettes being gone or, are pandemic-related for sure. But yeah. I just, it was interesting. They didn't even have a trailer for it. Normally, there's, like, something. They had a trailer for the death of Superman and for some other random movie. Like, it was weird. Hmm. Like some other ran- it was, like, from some other random one from, like, f- 10 years ago. It felt like they just had to fill out the space in the disc. You're like, what? Well, what do you have on on this uh, hard drive that we can press right. on the disc? So you're gonna, you know? are you gonna keep buying them physically? Yeah, yeah, I like buying them physically. I like having them. Mm-hmm. I like not worrying about internet connection to see them. You know, overall though, I thought I was really impressed. I was impressed with the animation. I was impressed the voice acting. I thought it was overall really terrific from Aldous Hodge, Jimmy Simpson, uh, Brian Bloom played Adam Strange, uh, Nolan North, the veteran voice actor, played Hal Jordan, Jamie Gray Hader played Hawk Girl. And Rick Wasserman and Sinestro, like, you know, it had just enough mix of veteran voice people and, you know, more actors that thought they like to put in their lead roles. And I thought all these yeah. actors were really good as voice actors. Yeah, they like to do stunt casting for a lot of these. And I think this was a, a really nice mix of veteran, like, obviously, Nolan North gets plenty of work, but like, he is a mainstay of uh, voice acting. And I thought he kind of disappeared into this. Yep. He wasn't doing his typical thing. It was a different uh, Hal. It was a different kind of Hal yeah. characterization. He was sort of a gruffer voice. Really to the the, the core of Hal's character. <laughs> Getting into that innermost desires to cleanse the galaxy. Right. To rule the Iron Fist. To cleanse Fist. the universe and, and recreate it in his own image. How did you, uh, did you like the parallax, his final form, his like... I actually did. I thought that was kind of cool. I, and yeah. I liked the I liked the multi-ring Green Lantern. I think there is something like legitimately ominous about you know when you've spent a lot of your movie demonstrating how powerful the power ring is. I mean, it's the most powerful weapon in the galaxy, and then the guy shows up with fourteen of them. You're like, oh, yeah. that's a problem. And look, I may have hated it, but that <laughs> cover image at the time the of yeah. insane Hal Jordan with all the rings and all of his fingers. Uh, that's from Green Lantern 49. It's a great cover. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful image of, oh shit, we're in trouble. Like I said, taking the fan hat off and just looking at it, this was a terrific film. Mm-hmm. Even I had some problems with it here and there. I, don't, I also don't like, we talked about this on the, our Thor Love and Thunder review, I don't like the weapons having personalities. I don't need the ring to have a personality. <laughs> I don't mind it. Yeah, it's just, just my own pet peeve. I don't need the ring to be able to... I feel like the ring did too much, is what I'm saying. It, it editorialized too much? Well, like it was like... Like, you're okay with it talking. The ring was, like, fixing the other ship from their ship. Like, how was it doing that? It did take me out when John asked it to get the relevant files. Yeah. Or, like, the relevant... Like, who is deciding what's relevant? The ring, apparently, is deciding right. what's re- what's relevant information. But again, getting back to how we all communicate with our coworkers, don't you wish you could just say that and have someone do it? Because <laughs> it sounds, that sounds wonderful. You <laughs> so you're saying the ring is a coworker now? Is it not? It's a tool. Do you call your phone a, a coworker? That's a dangerous road. Mm-hmm. You're right. Okay. Yep. Fair point. I've thought about it. You're right. I should not have said that, but like, I also, <laughs> I also feel like, you know, the ring is what I wish the promise of, of something like Siri or Echo or whatever sure. could be. So like Echo, play Green Lantern, beware of my power. You're welcome, Echo users. <laughs> I also want to say, I actually thought the costume designs and in particular, the ring designs were mm-hmm. really good like the rings all felt like they had heft and weight and 
I like the way they moved. Ring design changes story to story and changes sometimes character to character. But I actually thought in this particular instance, the Green Lantern rings, they all looked the same, but I thought they all looked really cool. That's a good point. And a a very quick mention, I think the sound design was really nice. I listened to this on, on headphones and the weight they don't overuse the um what what do you call them like the the visualizations the 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 constructs, constructs. yeah, yeah. The constructs is the words i was looking for. especially in the beginning like he like it turns into like a hammer or something yeah. and pound sand it felt important that this suddenly manifested and it had weight and heft to it and part of that was the sound the one thing i've never gotten over in Green Lantern non-comics media. And I and again, I want to make the... I would like to point out that I've not said anything about the fact that the space battles are very noisy and there's a lot of sound and all the ships are very aerodynamic, which is not necessary when... Right. There's nothing to worry about in space. Right. But all that said, the one thing I always remember from Jeff John's run on this character is that there was a moment where they point out that Kilowog's ring is the only ring that makes sound. Like most Green Lantern rings are silent because it's light. Like light doesn't make sound. Right. A laser is silent. And so I, I always thought that was so cool. And I understand why as a person making a movie of, or a film, you know, you would want sound associated with action happening on the screen because that's part of how you tell that story and that narrative. But like, I always think about the fact that like, man, these rings are noisy where I always think about the fact that it was Kilowog's ring was the only ring that canonically is a noisy ring. I always thought that was the coolest thing about the rebooted Star Trek movies was that they were, at least initially, they were silent in the action in space. Yeah. It's cool. And, and you know, but it, like, it's something that you definitely notice. You either notice that it, it's there or you notice the absence of it yeah. at this point. I, th- I think we've sort of like gone through the looking glass on that with that Abrams Star Trek film where you. It's not even a complaint for right. me. I'm just saying it's a thing I notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just there was there was one there was just one scene where he was like ring fix their ship, and the ring was like, okay, do this, and I was like, well, what? what we're really stretching the bounds of what the ring can do here, but that's fine. It was a minor. It was a minor thing. I was just trying to think of. Is there anything you guys didn't like other than Hal Jordan being in the movie at all, Paul? When they had the trailer for uh, for this initially. And they were talking about Hal as, like, heroic and, like, oh, maybe, like, Hal died before this movie takes place. And, like, mm-hmm. there's a flashback. And I was like, I don't know if I agree with that assessment. And so, but now I was like, great, yes, great use of Hal. <laughs> now, um, so the thing, thing that I didn't like, this is, this is just a weird design note. I think I prefer Sinestro with the black corneas and the yellow detail, like, like the gold accent. In his, like, in this, he has whites of his eyes, mm-hmm. and it looks weird to me now. Hmm. I think he looks much cooler with just black eyes with yellow in them. Yeah. That's my weird little note. I think my weird little note is I think John needed to ditch the duster. I know. Maybe it wasn't from, a duster. It was, a, it was an army jacket. No. Well, maybe he's from jacket. Philadelphia and he, you know, it's always sunny there and he didn't want to, he wasn't, wasn't getting rid of the duster, but I just thought he needed, I wanted him to embrace the Green Lantern uniform earlier. Earlier? He eventually did. Well, that's a so journey. Is like he had to embrace it, it when he be- actually embraced being a Green Lantern. I just thought there were a lot of scenes where it looked silly that he was standing around Shaira and Green Arrow and all these other characters in their full-on the superhero costume. Like, he's walking around Robin Hood, and he's the one that looks silly. <laughs> I thought, he, yes, yes, I thought he did, because because okay. he's wearing a jacket, I just was like, come on, man, embrace. You're in space. Okay. You've been in space for a while now. I am ready to be done with Hobo Adam Strange. I don't mind the idea. Like, I think the idea that Adam Strange and his connection to the Zeta Beams mm-hmm. sends him off on weird, 
unconnected adventures at random. I think that's cool. Yeah. But I think that he's a character that like he should be able to land in a place and still find a razor and shave the beard. You know what I mean? I currently sport a beard. I'm not this is not an anti beard well, thing. He, I'm just like he, that's not the character that I this want. This wasn't he wasn't gone on like an adventure. He had been like blasted somewhere and they all thought he was dead and he was like off like I know, was, but it's a trend in Adam Strangeness. He was to, in like, trouble. Make him like he's he's, he's Luke people. he's Luke in Last Jedi, and I don't that's not what I want from my Adam Strange. And what? It's the second of the third trilogy yeah. films. Oh, they just made two of those. No, no. So yeah, he's uh there's there's You don't want them to feel like ashamed of like the golden age look of And it feels like they are. We talked about this last time with, with the short film with him too. Yeah. Right, and this felt more reminiscent of that than I was looking for. Although he did sort of not fully done, but he, he he had a space version of his suit at the end when he heroically sacrificed himself. The characterization overall was not bad. Like, I thought that character-wise they did a fine job. I'm just tired of him looking so scruffy when I think the Silver Age was not the scruffiest age in comics. You're not a scruffy-looking nerf herder version of, sure. of uh, Adam Strange. Also, his wife is dead. Like, they took out the whole Ronian the DCU in this movie like they just took out a lot of stuff that's some real bantha poodoo so final thoughts on the film again I, I thought it was really terrific I really did I, I was at three quarters way through I was like damn this is really good yeah some of these the, the ones that are good sometimes like sneak up on you yeah. like, like you're watching them and you're sort of on autopilot and you're like whoa that was an interesting choice like oh that's surprising and they've been sort of on this roll for the past couple years where even if it doesn't net out to like a great movie they're making bold choices like changing who mm-hmm. the mystery character is mm-hmm. and like hush mm-hmm. and gotham by gaslight and there are other in- just interesting choices and it's not like they invented parallax here but i was not expecting parallax right this was the one of the more successful fake outs that they've sure. done in terms of it's a reveal that we all remember from the comics uh, mm-hmm. but i thought they they handled it in a a thoughtful, intelligent way, and I thought the animation was really strong, and yeah, I, I really liked what they did with it. And I went into this with super low expectations, because I'm more of a fan of, like, the architect John Stewart take. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of, by the way, said now, he's very much the yeah, marine John yeah, Stewart now. at this point. And then, also just, like, I was seeing this getting, like, fours out of ten and stuff, and, like, that's just, like, really low reviews, and... That's bonkers. I do think that it gets a little bit grim, serious, like, and like Ollie's levity doesn't land necessarily. Like it could have used like a joke pass on it or something. Cause it worked though. I thought like for the situation, I, you know, it, it, like John's not going to be super receptive to Ollie's jokes. Right. Especially given the situation. So like, I get it, but like there are times where it gets a little bit dry, but then, you know, the action is great, you know, again, visually super interesting. So I, I thought it was really compelling and a, and a, and a great surprise. So, Let's do ratings on it before we move on to talking about what's next, because we do actually have some things to talk about. Okay. Ratings on Green Lantern, Beware My Power. Out of five, I'm giving it a four, 4.375. <laughs> I'll give it a 4.5. I mean, I'm out of time. I gotta go. I don't have time to rate it. Do I have to rate it? You have to rate it, yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay, well... uh I'm uh what'd you give it, Paul? Four and a half. I'm gonna go four point eight one six. Is that his sector? Yeah. 
sure. Yeah. I'll say that. So there you go. That's Green Lantern, Beware My Power. Now we have another film coming this year, which is Batman and Superman, colon, Battle of the Super Sons, which I'm not at all excited about. What? Really? It looks good. Don't like Damian Wayne, and I could do without Jonathan Kent. This is the first time hearing of that. <laughs> so we'll get to that in in October when it releases. But I did want to say that we you know we just had Comic Con happen, and they announced next year's slate of films. I don't know if you guys saw that announcement. No, or, not. or uh, maybe I did, but I forgot. I don't know. Oh, we should also point out last year at Fandom they announced uh, they were going to do a milestone film, but we've heard nothing about that since. So who knows? Everything's up in the air with Warner Brothers right now. Mm. But at Comic-Con, they announced Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham, which was based on a little-known Elseworlds story that Mike Mignola did about Batman versus monsters, like Lovecraftian monsters. Oh, love, like, okay, Eldritch Horrors. So I've actually never even yeah, read I'm that not, book. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that story, but that sounds cool. Yeah, it came out in 2000. Why don't okay. I know that book? Interesting. Well, Batman versus Lovecraftian monsters is the first one they announced. Then they announced Legion of Superheroes. Okay. Set in the Tomorrowverse continuity. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then they announced Justice League War World, set in the Tomorrowverse continuity. So, interesting announcements. Okay. We know there's always going to yeah. be a Batman, that's just the business. But, interesting Batman choice, I think. And Legion of Superheroes is very surprising. I mean, are there any other classic, like, just iconic Batman stories that they haven't done? Oh, sure. I mean, there's 90 years of it. I mean, I know they haven't adapted everything, but like, they, they hit, like the big You're talking stuff. about the top stories? I mean, like, I, yeah. I think a inter- they could do an interesting, like, two-part cataclysm, you know, like... Uh, the- They've not really done a cataclysm. Oh, yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. That would make me sit up and pay attention if they, yeah, if they wanted to do cataclysm into No Man's Land. Yeah, that would be an interesting, interesting one, but... But that's interesting because uh, I haven't really paid attention to Comic-Con news, but that was what came out of the, the panel. So that's exciting. Legion of Superheroes is exciting. Yeah. Depends on what, they, what version they do, but still. I remember another pet peeve. Okay. Uh-oh. Green Lantern's bow was terrible. Just everything everything about it. It was it was too short. The shape of it was wrong. The, the sound design of it was wrong. The way he used it was wrong. It was just... I know I've talked about, like, doing archery before on these episodes, but like I actually spent a fair bit of time doing archery this summer. Cause I was running like summer camps for children and like children at summer camp want to do things like archery. archery sure. And, and so like I've, I've had actual archery like instructors be like, Ryan, you are not a terrible archer. You are a good to average archer. And so like, I have some bona fides to say they're doing green arrow a little dirty here. I feel hmm. like archers are like the most joyless of athletes in terms really? of seeing their stuff on screen. I can like, see that from like a, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. in terms of like, like there's always a YouTube video like this is what Hawkeye got wrong about Archer. Like, this is, like, <laughs> but I'm, I'm never, I'm never, I'm, Hawkeye, like, I'm Hawkeye. never going to make that video. I just, in watching this, if, if you're asking me for critiques, one that I, for, I, I failed to mention was that. They could have done a little better on the archery stuff. It's not, you know, didn't take me out of the movie. Well, it did a little bit, but. This is your letter to the editor. This is. They announced one more film, which I don't understand. It's called Justice League XRWBY colon Superheroes and Huntsmen Part 1. What? What on earth? I don't know what that means. Connor, is that an anime? It might be. Paul. Uh, Paul, is that an anime? I might have to see it written out. Are we going to Japan? We all liked Batman Ninja. 
What? The, that was crazy. The, that was they, crazy. Well, I don't know if I liked it. Yeah, I wouldn't say I liked it. I liked it. Parts of it. I liked it. I will go on record as saying I liked it, but... As we wrap up this show, can I ask Ryan, are you drunk? I've had a lot of drugs today. <laughs> They're administered by a professional. <laughs> okay, just asking. You're taking on the air of a guy at the end of the bar who said, one too many whiskeys. Listen, we've all heard me at episode 800. <laughs> <laughs> You're entering that territory. All right, so we'll be back in October for Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons. Is that what we... we, we yeah, we, sure. We called it out. All right, so we'll be back for that one in October. And until then, I am Connor. I'm Paul. I've been injected multiple times today, and none of it has gone well. <laughs> but I showed up, and I'm here. And I'm still Ryan, and it's not over.